Being a submissive wife doesn't mean that we must simply take everything that's thrown at us with meekness and fear, or that we have no say in anything and cannot stand up for what is right. God has called us as believers to stand firm in Christ. He has also provided us with the authority and guidance to help bring those who are falling away back to God. This includes reproving our husbands in love and encouraging them to stay faithful in God's word. Ladies, this is a very delicate thing in a marriage and can cause severe problems if it is not done correctly or with the right motives. Today, we're looking at God's provision and instruction for wives on standing firm in the Lord and how to reprove our husbands. You're going to want to take some notes, so grab a pen and paper and let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife? Afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right? To stop worrying all the time and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord. Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. As godly women and wives, we can feel that because men are the leaders of the church and the head of our households, that we have no say in anything, that we must remain quiet at all times, taking everything as it comes and to suffer in silence. Ladies, this simply isn't true. You are a daughter of the King. And all throughout scripture, God has used women to carry out his plan and purpose and to show his glory and his might to the world. He used a woman like Esther to save his people from destruction like Deborah as a judge of his people and to be the warrior that Barak couldn't be. Jesus used a woman at the well to bring the gospel to the people of Samaria. And when he rose from the grave, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, who then went and told the disciples that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Is there a time and a place that we are to remain quiet? and to let God do his work? Absolutely. But there are also times that we are to stand firm in Christ and that we are to declare his word and his glory, just like these women did. Ladies, I beseech you today to know that you are in Christ and to stand firm. 
In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it tells us, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And let's look at Deborah in the book of Judges and what she did for the Lord. In Judges chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, it says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinuam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord Israel commanded? Go and deploy troops from Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men and the sons from Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river of Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go but I will not go if you don't go with me. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey that you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So they went to battle and God did deliver Sisera into their hand. As a matter of fact, because of Barak's lack of faith and confidence in the Lord, Sisera was killed by Jael, who was Heber's wife, and she killed him with a tent peg. So both Deborah and Jael, these were regular women, just like you and me, but they stood fast in the faith. They were brave and they were strong in the Lord, and we can be as well. When it comes to our husbands, we tend to forget that all the wisdom that God has provided to us in dealing with other people or when we find ourselves in difficult situations, everything that he has taught us in his word on these areas, they also apply to our husbands and our marriages. The same principles written in scripture regarding forgiveness, putting others before ourselves, showing grace and mercy, going that extra mile with someone, etc., All of these things also apply to our marriage relationship. We've already talked about some of these in the last episode. Things like a soft answer turns away wrath or overcoming evil with good. And we talked about God's sovereignty and protection over us. If you haven't listened to the last episode yet, then I suggest that you listen to it when you are done with this one. The two episodes really do go hand in hand and you'll want all of that information. There is one more principle that I want to share with you, and this is the wisdom that God has provided to us in reproving our husbands and pointing out to them in a loving manner where they are falling short in following God and encouraging them to stay faithful to God's word. As with everything with God, there is a right way to go about doing this, and yes, there is a wrong way to do it. So before you get too excited and fill your mind with all the things that you want to reprove your husband for, listen carefully to God's way of doing this and what our motives behind it should be. If we try to do this with thoughts of fixing our husbands, showing them how we are right and they are wrong, or for any kind of selfish gain, It is only going to backfire in our faces and will make things worse. 
Also, before we get started on this, I have one word of warning to those of you who are married to unbelieving husbands. This kind of information is not really for an unbeliever because scripture is foolishness to them and it should not be used to correct them or to provide guidance in decision making. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, we read, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So when you offer your husband wisdom or advice, it is best not to quote scripture and to say, well, the Bible says this, or God says that we should do this, because they don't think about the Bible in the same way that you do. They don't think about God in the same way that you do. However, you can speak to him and offer wisdom based on what is written in scripture. They just don't need to know where you got your wisdom from. You've probably already done this in the past with maybe a friend of yours who came to you for advice and they're not a believer. You know what it is that they should do, but you also know that if you tell them, well, God's word says this, their ears are going to close and they're not going to listen to you. But we can still give the same kind of wisdom and advice to our friend or to our unbelieving husbands or to a husband who is a believer, but just doesn't really want to hear about God right now. We can give them the same kind of biblical principles and advice, just we don't need to let them know it's what scripture says, but give them that same information. Scripture also tells us in Proverbs 9, 8, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. So this is another warning in being careful and not correcting a scoffer, which is a non-believer. And it also shows us that If we rebuke our believing husbands correctly, they will actually love us for it in the long run. Proverbs 9 continues with, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. This should be our heart in teaching or in correcting our husbands, that we want to help them. We want to help them with their knowledge of God, that we want to edify and encourage them with the wisdom of the Lord and to multiply their days and their years of life. It is a godly wife's responsibility as one believer to another to reprove her husband. As I've said many times before, none of us walk down the aisle knowing how to be a godly wife or a godly husband. It is something that we have to learn and that we learn over time. Each one of us as believers are somewhere in this path or in this process of sanctification, learning to become more like Christ. And as a husband and a wife, you can help one another in that process by lovingly coming alongside one another, praying for one another, sharing scripture, and growing in the knowledge and in the Christ-likeness together. There are a few places in scripture where we are actually commanded to correct the error of another believer for the purpose of restoring them to God. In Matthew 18, 15, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And then in Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So two things that we learn from these verses, not only in the fact that, yes, we are to go to our brother, or in this case, to our husband, when they are sinning against God and they are not following his word, and we are to do it between you and him alone. Not when other people are around, not in front of anybody else, but you and your husband alone in reproving him and pointing out any kind of correction or fault that he has needs to be done in private. And then the second thing that we learn is to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, not in harsh words, not in why are you doing that? Or don't you know that you can't do it that way? Or you're sinning, but in the spirit of gentleness, in the same way that you would want somebody to come to you and come alongside you and say, Hey, you know, I see that you're doing this, but do you realize that scripture would point you in this direction? or tell you that that is not a good path for you to take. A wife shows great love for her husband when she helps him to be righteous before God. It is in both of your best interests to follow the ways of the Lord and to have that right relationship with the Father. None of us like to have our faults brought to the light or to be corrected. It's the last thing most of us ever want to have happen. Therefore, it must be handled with the utmost respect love, and care for your husband. So then how do we do this? How do we go about reproving our husbands correctly? Well, I have five steps for you. The first step is to always seek God's direction first before you do anything else. Sincerely pray for God's wisdom and direction before ever attempting to speak to anyone about their faults, especially your husband. Pray, is this something that really needs to be brought up? Or can I just cover it with grace and mercy and to let it go? If it's something that happens once or twice, then really think about letting it go. But if it's something that happens over and over and over again and really bothers you and you start to feel resentment, then it's something that you're probably going to want to have a conversation with him about. Also pray, Am I guilty of the same thing or do I do something that encourages this behavior from my husband? In Luke 6, 41 through 42, it tells us, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is your own in your eye when you yourself don't see the plank that's in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So pray for the Holy Spirit to show you what your faults are, what the thing is that you need to learn and to change, and if need be, ask for forgiveness from your husband. Doing this will speak volumes to him and also make him much more receptive when you go to him and say, hey, This is something that I see that you're doing that is not following God's word. If you have, you know, confessed your sin to him and you have asked for his forgiveness, then when you go to him and say something, it's going to be received much, much better. And we do need to look at what am I doing possibly that is adding to this or making this worse. And then also pray that your heart is in the right place. 
that you're not doing this to point out his sin for your own selfish gain, or it's like a tit for tat kind of a thing, or to make yourself seem more righteous than he is, but that you are doing it out of love and concern for your husband and for your relationship together. Okay, so then step two is gently make him aware of his sin backed by scripture. And this is very important because everyone has their own ideas of what they think is right and what they think is wrong. And everyone seems to have their own level of truth. But when it comes to our husbands or anyone for that matter, it must be backed by scripture. It cannot be based on what we think is right or this is what my family has always done or what my parents did. It can't be something that we read in a book that was not our Bibles or something that, well, so-and-so does this and they say it was the right thing or it seems like the right thing. We need to have scripture to back up what it is that we are saying, hey, I think that what you're doing is wrong. And remember too, that you know we may be wrong in what their motives are. We may be wrong in what it is that they're doing. And so we need to approach it in a way of, I think this may be happening unless you know for sure that you know this is what they're doing but we need to be careful when we come at them with you know an accusing kind of tone and we need to come at them with a tone of i love you i want to help you i want to make sure that you're on the right track our guide for absolute truth is what is written in scripture and what is written in scripture only that is what tells us those things that are godly and those things that are sin It solely comes from the word of God. Therefore, we are to use scripture wisely, not taking it out of context and not for any kind of our own personal gain, not twisting it to make it say what we want or picking and choosing pieces and parts of scripture to make the point that we want to make. Step number three is to find the right time, not a time when you are rushed or in the middle of things or trying to fit it in somewhere, not at a time when either you or your husband are angry or agitated in any way, but find a time and a place where you can be quiet with one another, where there are no distractions and the kids aren't coming in or, you know, yelling in the background because they're fighting with one another or whatever the case may be, and that there are no time limits, that you have plenty of time to sit and discuss this and discuss it calmly and quietly and lovingly without any of the other interruptions or problems. And then maybe even choose a time when you guys go out together, get a babysitter, the two of you go out, have some conversation, and then be able to bring up some of these things at that time. But just be very careful with your timing and when you choose to do this, because it will make all the difference in the world. Then step number four is to affirm or compliment your husband and then edify with grace. Begin by telling him what he does right, what you appreciate about him before bringing up any faults. None of us want to hear about what we're doing wrong. And if we start off with, well, you do this and you do that and da, 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 then all they ever hear is what they've done wrong. And then they begin to feel like they can never make us happy. Like, why do I even bother trying? Because all she ever does is bring up my faults and the things that I need to change. So we need to be sure that we begin with what is right. 
Begin with what we appreciate about them. Begin with what it is that they do right and what we are thankful for, for them. In Ephesians 4.29, it tells us, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So that is our goal. Our goal is necessary edification to our husbands and that it imparts grace to them. To edify means to instruct, especially so as to encourage intellectual, moral, or spiritual improvement. Our goal and mindset should be this, to encourage improvement in our husbands, to help them get closer to the Lord, to help them have wisdom in following God's word. And so check yourself on this. Think about what it is that you're going to say to him before you say it. And what are those things that you are going to say that you are thankful for, that you appreciate, that you like about him before you go into those things that you want to talk to him and to reprove him for and to edify him in, honey, this is what I think that you should be doing instead. And then number five is to give an example. We often cannot see our faults or recognize our poor behavior without some kind of a reference as to when and where do I do this and how am I doing this? I shared with you all recently about my husband showing me in the moment that I was not paying attention to him because I was distracted by my iPad. And I can tell you that, you know, he had told me and mentioned it several times before then. And I thought, nah, I can do both. I can listen to him and, you know, take care of what it is that he wants me to do or to hear while I'm doing this stuff until the one day where I wasn't. I was not listening to him. He was totally right. And I didn't hear anything until he said, but you can't hear me because your face is in your iPad. And right there in that moment, I couldn't dispute it. I couldn't say anything about not being able to understand or to listen to him because it was the perfect example of how I was not listening to him. Recently, I also showed him that, you know, he tends to want me to stop and listen wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, like whatever I am in the house, because we're both in the house all day, every day, and he'll just start talking. No matter where I am in the in the house, no matter what I'm doing, he just starts talking to me and he wants me to stop and listen to him. But when I try to do the same thing with him, if he's busy, it's like, well, can't you see that I'm busy? I'm on my way out the door. Or I'm on the way to go do this or, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, he doesn't do the same for me. He won't stop and listen. And so the other day, probably about, I don't know, two weeks ago, I was packing up our trailer. And so I am in and out of the house, back and forth, packing up the trailer because we're going to leave for vacation for the holidays. And I'm doing all of this stuff. And all of a sudden, he just starts talking to me. I have, you know, both hands full of stuff that I'm about to go out to the trailer with. But I stopped and I listened. And he came up to me and he talked with me. And when he got all done, I said, Now, darling, do you see? what I've done here. I said, do you see my hands? I'm on my way out the door to take stuff out to the trailer. But you started to talk to me. And so I stopped and I listened to what you had to say. I would appreciate it if when I'm speaking to you and I have something that I think is important to be able to share with you, that you would do the same. And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and was like, 
okay. Because he really couldn't say anything. Like I had totally shown him what I had done, what I would like him to do, because that's what I do for him. And it was just a perfect example. I was very nice. I was very kind. And he totally took it the right way. And that's that's what it is that we need to do, is we need to give them examples so that they have a clear understanding as to what the problem is and when it's happening. And, you know, maybe even offer some suggestions as to how you can avoid it in the future. An example could be your husband treats you in a disrespectful manner. Say he doesn't clean up after himself or he's careless in his attitude about it and he just leaves it for you to take care of. Like, yeah, she'll get it. I don't, I don't need to take care of it. Well, in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, husbands, likewise, Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So in reading this verse, and then it tells to give the wife honor, which when we look at Matthew Henry's commentary, it says, the husband's duty to the wife implies giving due respect unto her and maintaining her authority, protecting her and placing trust in her. They are heirs together of all the blessings of this life and that which is to come and should live peaceably with one another. So what you could say is, honey, I appreciate that you do a really great job with the kids when I'm at work and you take care of them and you play with them and you make sure that they have food. However, I feel a bit disrespected when I come home to a completely dirty kitchen. Like you've made the meals and left everything out and I'm tired when I come home from work. I've been at work all day. I would really appreciate it if you would clean the kitchen because it just feels like you have no respect for me. When you come home from work, I have done all of these things with the kids, the same things that you have done and the kitchen is clean and I would expect the same from you and give an example of what your expectation would be. But ladies, no two, they're not going to clean that kitchen quite as well as you are. Like I have a wonderful husband and he does great things. He doesn't really ever load the dishwasher. I'm not sure why, but whatever, he doesn't load the dishwasher. So in my case, I would say, hey, can you wash the pans and just rinse the dishes and put them in the sink? And I'll put them in the dishwasher later. You know, I I don't expect him to necessarily do it quite to my standard because I have kind of a high standard and it's different than his, but I would also feel very disrespected. And my husband actually would feel that he was disrespecting me if I came home from work all day and I came home to a completely messy kitchen because he, you know, just felt that he was too busy or beneath him to be able to clean it. So this is just an example, ladies. Do, you know, your own thing. There are some wives who have absolutely no problem cleaning up after their husbands and this kind of a thing. And that's fabulous. But then there are others that I know I've heard you and I've seen it where this is happening in your home and it is a difficult thing. And I, I'm right there with you. So sit down at the right time and talk to him. Give him the example And then just chat about what the expectation is and something that you both can agree on in this. Now, if he does disagree with you, do not argue with him about it. Simply ask him to prayerfully consider what you have said and walk away, continuing to pray for God to change his heart. 
You can't nag him about it or demand him to stop leaving a mess around the house. If you do, then he's just going to be looking at you and say, see, this is why I do this kind of thing. She's never happy and I'm always trying to do other stuff and she doesn't appreciate it. Like all of those things that you hear from them, ladies. So just simply walk away, ask them to prayerfully consider what you have said and what you have requested, and then pray for God to work on his heart. God is the one that changes us. God is the one that changes us personally. Like we can't even change ourselves. We certainly can't change our husbands. So pray for God to work in his heart, ladies. If time goes by and things do not change, you could then go to him and say that this is causing problems in your relationship because it's causing you to resent him and ill feelings towards him that you don't want to have. And therefore, something must change in order to be able to save your relationship because your relationship is more important than you going to work and earning that extra money or whatever the case may be. But Your marriage relationship is the most important thing to you, you, and you can let him know that and say, look, this is causing real problems in our marriage. And like I said, and having resentful feelings that you don't want to have, and then give him some options in that you both agree what an acceptable mess might be and what you can live with. Maybe agree that you would quit your job or to cut back on your hours whatever you two decide together, but your marriage comes first. And he can't argue with that. Who would argue with that? I want to love you. I want to have this marriage to be the best that it can be. And this is causing me to have resentful, ill feelings towards you that I don't want to have. And then ladies, continue to pray Continue, continue, continue to pray because God is faithful. And as you are the submissive wife that God has called you to be, and your husband sees that, and he doesn't have any argument with that because you're doing what it is that God has called you to do, then he can only look at himself and God will work on his heart. I caution you to take great care in how and when you reprove your husband being sure that you have prayed over this and that it is not something that you can just cover with grace and move on from. Gently making him aware of his sin backed by scripture and that you find the right time, a quiet time for you and him alone where you're not rushed, where you're not angry or having, you know, bad feelings at the moment, but that you have an opportunity to really to sit and to speak and to listen to one another that you begin with an affirmation or a compliment of him before you edify him with grace and that you have an example set beforehand that you know what it is that you're going to be able to tell him in that example. Ladies, I leave the same verse with you today as I did last week because it's just so fitting for how we are to treat others as well as the aspect of our relationship with the Lord. And it's from Romans 12 verses 10 through 12. And it says this, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. 
Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, Ooh, she needs to hear this. Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today, and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you, and see you on the next episode.